Welcome to the Coin Podcast Network. Everywhere you look, climate change and the catastrophes that come with it are front page news. Our front page news. Global warming has entered our lexicon, and the planet we call home is in trouble. The effort to stem the tide is the fight of this generation and a fight for all future generations. future generations. In September 2021, the COIN Podcast Network took an in-depth look at the problems associated with human-caused global temperature increase. Now it's time to talk about solutions. My name is Ian Costello, and I'm deeply concerned about the damage we are doing to our environment. So I'm on a mission to explore the developing technology that could save us from ourselves before it is too late. Before it is too late. You are listening to Climate in Crisis on the Coin Podcast Network. Just off the coast of Oregon, Washington, and California sits the biggest body of water in the world. And hidden just below the surface is enough energy to change everything about the way we harness and use electricity, if we can figure it out. And the race to do that is being run in Corvallis, Oregon. Today, as the COIN Podcast Network continues our look at solutions to our climate and crisis, I have a conversation with Pedro Lamonaco. He leads the team at the Hinsdale Wave Research Laboratory at Oregon State University. Among other things, they are trying to answer the questions, how much power is hiding in the Pacific? How do we get our hands on it? And can it fundamentally alter our energy equation in a good way? Here is my conversation about wave energy with Pedro Lamonaco. First and foremost, can you give me a breakdown, a bit of a rundown of your career path and how you ended up at Oregon State in Corvallis? I study civil engineering in the National University of Mexico. Um, I later on uh, did a master of science in coastal engineering in, in the Netherlands. And later on did my PhD in also coastal engineering in Spain, in my hometown, Santander, in Spain. Civil engineers um, have different branches where they can apply their uh, science. And one of these is hydraulic engineering. Within hydraulic engineering, which is the study of construction and design of structures and, and dealing with water, that includes a branch that is called coastal engineering, which is the studies of shoreline and close to the shoreline. So um, construction of ports, construction of breakwaters, houses, seawalls, protection structures to prevent the erosion. And then we interact with oceanographers and, and geophysicists and marine engineers also. So there is a, a bunch of different areas, but in my background, particularly my background is civil engineering. Off topic a little bit, how would you generally compare Corvallis and the central Oregon coast to, say, the Netherlands or Spain? Well, the coast of Oregon is rather similar, I would say. There's a lot of uh, resemblance with the coast of the northern coast of Spain. Uh, the ocean is as harsh as here, uh, not as cold. The coast of the Netherlands is very flat and full of sand, if you like, similar to what you see in uh, New in Louisiana, New Orleans, and the and the areas uh, going to Texas. So that probably resembles closer to what is what you, you see in in the Netherlands. 
Let's talk a little bit about the overarching wave research being done in Oregon State. What is the Hinsdale Wave Research Center? How did it come to be? And what are the main avenues of research being conducted there? The laboratory was established uh, almost 50 years ago. Actually, next year is our anniversary. 50 years ago, it uh, was built um, uh, with one of the facilities that we have here. And you can imagine in 50 years, we have studied and tested all kinds of um, structures and processes that goes that happens in the ocean. So it has evolved that the, the answer is, is difficult to, to, to be specific because it has changed depending on the needs of science and the question that it are being posed by, by society. So in the last maybe 20 years, there has been a significant interest on, on the studies of natural hazards on one hand, which includes the effect of tsunamis, storm surge, uh, hurricanes, waves, and, and, and its interaction with, with the coast and, and, and man-made and natural um, uh, portions of the, of the coast. Uh, simultaneously, we do have some a significant uh, effort on, on marine energy and wave energy studies. So how to harvest the energy, how to most efficiently bring the energy from, from the waves and all the other processes in the, in the ocean could be also wind and, and, and currents. Those are uh, the pressing questions that society may have. And therefore, when you want to have an answer to those, you have a different ways of, or avenues for studying. And some of them requires the um, experimentation. So what we do is perform those experiments, particularly on those questions to see how to solve those pressing problems at the coast. And you're not just writing papers. No. You're not just doing models. You're actually, for lack of a better term, you're actually getting your hands wet. You're getting in the water and playing with it, right? That's correct. That's probably our 80% of our time. We are designing and working directly at the lab and building and, and instrumenting and, and providing the, uh, the most uh, accommodate to the, the needs of the different uh, uh, researchers and clients who want to do these experiments, including our own research uh, for solving those problems uh, specifically. It is true that we, we do produce papers because that's a way of showing or, or, or presenting our work to science, but it's not the only thing. And that is, there's a very little component of that. One of the main areas of interest that I have with the Hinsdale Research Center is this marine energy, marine renewable energy. And that's really why I wanted to chat with you for this podcast project focused on climate and crisis and climate change. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to wave power or marine energy, what term should we be using and which term do you prefer? Is marine renewable energy the technology of producing power in the ocean? or harnessing power from the ocean? It is harnessing power from the ocean. That is the correct uh, term. And the energy is not produced, the energy is there in nature. And we transform that energy, that form of energy in the different ways. And we transform that into uh, mechanical energy or other ways of energy. But fundamentally, uh, most of the, the process tends to go into producing electricity. So this electrical power coming from from the motion of the waves or motion of the currents or the wind. Can you give me a sense of how much power is actually available? For instance, if we had the technology to harness it all, how much energy are we talking about? Is it enough to constantly power a major city, five major cities, the entire world? How much energy is sitting out in our oceans? 
if you can harness all the energy that you have at the uh, U.S. coast, you can provide enough energy for the whole country. We could harness enough power to power our whole country. I don't remember the uh, from the top of my head the, the actual numbers, but we are talking about terawatts of power, which is a significant amount of power that we can harness. This is some groundbreaking research that you guys are doing, trying to harness power from the ocean. I think people can get a little bit lost in the weeds when it comes to the specifics of this technology. Pedro, can you explain how wave power works as if you were talking to a junior high science class? How do you capture the power of a wave? Well, um, if we think from the very beginning, everything starts at the sun. The energy of the sun is what we really are trying to capture in a different way. The wind produces the different changes in temperature and pressure in the atmosphere, but produces wind, and that generates waves. So it's a way of transferring that energy. So there's the energy from the uh, sun into waves, into wind, and then from wind to waves. And that is energy that is being transported that goes beyond the, the location where the wind is. That motion of the ocean, which is the energy transfer from the blowing wind in the free surface, is that oscillatory motion that we see in the ocean, those waves. Those are water particles that are basically going back and forth in a, in a very simplistic wave, if you think about it. And that motion of the water particles is the one that can be transformed into oscillatory motion of a mechanical device. So different ways of, uh, there are maybe thousand, maybe more than 1,000 patents of wave energy converters and all have different shapes and sizes and forms and whatever. What they are trying to do is to create a relative displacement between, between one object and another. And that relative motion is like, uh, if you think of a flapping elements, so two elements that are moving back and forth like wings or flappers, that hinge that is rotating is mechanical motion that we transform into, for example, go through a generator and then we transform it into electricity. You said a thousand patents and all shapes and sizes of what is actually going to be used or what is actually being used to capture the energy. But in my head, I've got this picture of somewhat like a wind turbine on the floor of the ocean using the wave to push it and turn it and therefore generating power. Am I on the right track? But you are in the right track of ocean current, but not wave. Okay, so there's a difference between harnessing energy from currents and harnessing energy from waves. That's correct. Okay, can you break down a little bit of the difference for me? Harnessing energy from uh, marine currents is very similar to what you see in an, an the windmills that you see in the, in the inland. But the wind is blowing fundamentally in one direction and is continuously or more or less continuously blowing in a single direction. Yes, the windmill can rotate and change and, and adapt, but fundamentally you have for a certain amount of time wind blowing in a single direction. That's the ocean current. The ocean current is moving, is, is flowing in one direction, at least for a certain amount of time. So that system is, imagine what you see is those windmills, but underwater windmills that are rotating and harvesting these by rotation, creating these, these energy from, from there. The ocean waves are moving back and forth. So the current produced by the waves are moving back and forth in relatively short amount of time. We are talking about a few seconds, maybe 10 seconds, 20 seconds. So that is the current that is going in one direction and then is coming back. So what we have is something that changes really, really fast. And that's what makes very different uh, in terms of how you harvest the energy. And 
the easiest way to picture a wave energy converter is, for example, a buoy. When you see a buoy or you are in a small boat, you go up and down with the waves, right? So imagine that you are connected somehow or you are guided by a pole that is connected to the floor. So that floater that goes up and down, it creates a relative motion between that pile that is fixed at the bottom and then the other one goes up and down. That is probably one of the easiest way of picturing how to harvest the, the wave energy. Basically a buoy attached to a piston. For example. So it sinks and then raises and sinks and raises, and it's the sinking and raising of the buoy that is actually generating energy. That's correct. So how do you get it from there to the coast? Oh, <laughs> that is one of the elements of one of the components that we are still uh, researching because uh, harvesting energy from the waves is not necessarily the problem. The problem is now making it uh, cost efficient. And one of the elements that are very expensive is how to bring those electrons into the shore. That's also one of the reasons why wave energy is not necessarily super far offshore, because how you bring that electricity to the coast, but also you don't want to have it super close to the shore because your waves are smaller. The way you can picture, and again, this is a generalization, not every technology is the same, but most of the time what you have is those floating buoys that has a connection with a cable that goes into um, a transformer that is at the bottom of the ocean. And then from there, with different cables comes into single location from the different station. And then from there, just laying cables that goes to shore. Transferring power the same way any other system does. Yes. Eventually it gets to a substation. Eventually it gets in a cable and then it goes out from there. That's correct. Building on that idea of efficiency, can you give me kind of a breakdown of how efficient it is to produce energy this way? Is marine energy comparable to other sources of renewable energy? For instance, can you compare what can be harnessed from the ocean to wind farms or solar fields or any other renewable energy generation? Probably the most efficient or one of the most efficient systems, thinking only about the way of transforming the available energy into electrons, so the machine that transformed that. But for example, hydropower, that is a well-established way of harvesting energy and is a renewable system. Dams, when you're saying hydropower? Hydropower is dams. Okay. And that was developed in maybe almost 100 years ago and, some, and, and the different options, probably even more than 100 years ago. So those, the efficiency of those turbines is super high. We are talking about 80%, 90%. There is nothing that is 100% efficient. Of course. There is always losses. There is always imperfections in, in, in our way of harvesting energy. I don't know the, the numbers for wind energy, but remember, a windmill is only capturing a portion of what is the flow of wind. We are not let's say, blocking the whole atmosphere in the whole width and the whole height. And so we are, for, for that particular space that is this diameter of my, my place of the windmill, we are very efficient. The, the efficiency, once we are in there, it has grown significantly. And again, we are probably in, the, in super high, but there are wind that are passing by and we are not capturing. That is the limitation that you have in wind and solar too. Wave energy probably is an order of magnitude lower than that. If the total uh, harvesting capacity that we, are, that we are taking from the waves is between 10, 20%, maybe 25%, the efficiency of the machine itself could be super high, 
but the efficiency of how much energy from the way we are capturing is very low. The machine itself is efficient. Yes. The idea of capturing all of the power that the ocean has to offer is, at least at this point in time, a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, it's very, very low. So that's why we cannot think of having a wave energy converter that's going to solve all these energy powers with a single unit. That's why we have to replicate that a number of times. We are talking about fields of, of devices in different locations where we can harvest. And then there is another component of how we can make not only the, the machine to harvest better energy, is how to control the energy in a, in a different way. And that is something that is being explored recently uh, a lot. How we electronically can make that harvesting more efficient which is something that was developed, for example, in, in, in wind um, uh, energy. And, and it was not so much in the field of hydropower dams because it happens way before. Now we are talking about electronics that are a smart systems that are making decisions on the fly to change the configuration of the machines so we can harvest better that energy. And that is reducing or is increasing the efficiency or is reducing the cost. Using artificial intelligence to do that? Uh, there are uh, alternatives, people using um, um, deep learning and artificial intelligence, and it's called the uh, advanced control of the systems that are trying to get information from the waves in real time to adapt the system and be more efficient and harvest the best or the most of the energy from the wave as possible. When we come back, more of my conversation about wave energy with Pedro Lamonaco, including a look at who is footing some of the bill for the research and any potential pitfalls he sees with marine renewable energy. Hi, this is Jeff Gianola from Coin6 News, and I'd like to invite you to watch Coin6 News at 10 on Portland CW, a full hour of the stories that are important to you and your family. See why more people are switching to Coin6 News at 10 on Portland CW. Cannabis. Cannabis. Less than 10 years ago, it was trafficked in the shadows. Today, you get a receipt with your purchase. I'm Travis Box. Each episode, I'll sit down one-on-one -on -one with the major players in the Oregon cannabis industry. The activists. The medical professionals. The legislators. The economists. The regulators. Where does this budding billion-dollar industry go from here? It's the Mainstream Weedia Podcast. Coming this November. To the COIN Podcast Network. The Coin6 weather team has the most accurate forecast in town, certified by WeatherRate. Coin6 weather, watching out for you. Welcome back to Climate in Crisis and my conversation with Pedro Lamonaco, the head of the Hinsdale Wave Research Laboratory at Oregon State University. Do you see a future in which uh, whether I'm going by boat or flying over it in a plane where we will see fields of wave generation equipment on the ocean surface? Uh, it certainly does. Uh, there's gonna, it's going to happen. I cannot picture how it's going to look like because some of the solutions are on the water. So maybe you are flying and, and over the ocean and then you don't see that actually they are there, but they are on the water, so you don't notice. But yes, there is going to be a moment that Similar to what you see now in offshore wind, offshore wind, especially um, in shallow waters, when you see those wind farms in the ocean that you, for example, fly from Denmark to Germany on top of the Baltic Sea, and you see 
bills of windmills on the ocean. And that is something that you, you we will eventually see on, on wave energy converters. And also you will know that there are other other type of, of other technology underwater for marine currents and, and, and the like. I don't know if the size of those fields are gonna be big or small. People are now talking that, that wave energy probably is gonna go for what is not for utility scale, which is for the big cities, but it's for other solutions that are more kind of homemade type of solutions to provide for small towns and small places. So it's still to be seen. If I'm not mistaken, some of the work you're doing on marine renewable energy is bankrolled at least partially by the Department of Energy. Obviously, building infrastructure and implementing systems to provide power from the ocean to consumers is something that I think would greatly interest the federal government. But how realistic is it, whether it's five or 10 or 20 years from now, how realistic is it that somebody like me living in a West Coast city or town could be getting at least some of my electricity from the ocean? Oh, it's, it's very realistic. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, the hurdles that we have to go through are probably at this point more legislation or permits or other things that needs to be go through. Uh, but eventually, I see that in our lifetime before we retire, we will see that there's going to be points in, 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 in the road saying this charging station is fed only with wave energy. We will see that in our lifetime. In terms of government, whether it's at the local, county, state, federal levels, do you think wave research, marine renewable energy research is getting the support it needs to be successful? I certainly think so. Uh, it's growing significantly over the last few years. And of course, there is way more that can be done. But I think at this point is 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 getting the, the, the support that um, that is taking us in the right path to be successful in short time. It's now it's getting advancing faster, which hopefully will take the U.S. Uh, in the leading edge of the marine energy or wave energy in comparison to the, whatever people is doing in the rest of the world. Can you give me a little bit of insight to some of the possible downsides you see with marine renewable energy? Are there potential pitfalls out there? And if so, what are they? Well, it's... <laughs> It's a very difficult question because I, I don't see them. By the moment that we have something that is efficient enough, it's still too expensive to produce energy that way. But once we have a system that is more efficient, and as efficient as wind, for example, then the, the difficulties uh, are going to be very, of course, be careful with uh, what we are doing with nature. It has been proven that the most of the devices are yet not affecting uh, mammals and migrations and things like that. Uh, we may discover other things as when we when the density of those of the amount of these fields of wave energy converters are in the ocean, and we'll see that we we produce other other impacts. That that's what we are working right now to prevent those and foresee those those possible damages. I have to say that I I see a. a growing industry and I see new jobs created through that. So that's positive also. I see dependency uh, of, of stop being dependent from fossil fuels, which is also positive. You see, I, I really see very little um, side effects on, on marine energy. I would say something that we just have to be careful is that once we are efficient enough and smart enough to harvest enough energy from the waves, there could be some impact on the coastline 
because when we stop the waves reaching the coastline, that is going to reduce, that is going to change the coastline that we have just behind those wave energy corridors. Those are the ones that we have to be careful. But we we have the technology. We know how to solve those problems. We just we are not there yet. What is your pie in the sky type of optimism? What really excites you about the research you're doing into marine renewable energy? The point when we start seeing this technology, um, uh, one of the reasons why the technology is not advancing so fast is because, as I mentioned, we have thousands of patents, but maybe 100 or 200 of those technologies that are actually advancing to the next level. But eventually, those technologies are going to converge into few of them. And that gets me excited that when we have the breaking point of, okay, this is the way to go. That is going to be a, a, a big challenge, a, a big change in, in, in the game of, of marine energy or wave energy when we have a handful of those technologies saying, okay, this is, this is the solution. But there is going to be a moment that we will have instead of hundreds of different solutions, we will have a handful of those solutions. And when we are there, that is going to be a, a, an inflection point on the development of wave energy. That's what gets me excited when that happens. Pedro, thank you very much for your time today. Is there anything here that you think needs to be mentioned that I may have missed asking you about along the way? Well, more than, than a question is a little bit of probably misunderstanding or, or different perceptions of what wave energy is doing. Wave energy is not intended to have something that is going to destroy nature or produce a significant impact. We are very careful on, on doing that. Uh, I think that's, that's one uh, message that I would like to convey to everybody. And the other one is a little bit of the understanding of where we have these super big waves in the movies of people surfing 10 meter waves and people say, okay, this is the wave that I want to harvest the energy because it's, it's super big. No, we are targeting waves that happens every day. The little waves that are continually there all the time producing energy. We don't want to have energy only during the storm and then we can turn off the TV. We want to be able to turn on the TV every single day, no matter what is the condition. And that is that is a misconception. The wave energy that we are harvesting are relatively smaller waves that are not so exciting, but they are the waves that you have every single day. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you. My pleasure. The COIN Podcast Network is your home for on-demand coverage of local news, sports, weather, and entertainment you won't find anywhere else. You can always find us on COIN.com slash podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.